What you're listening to are musicians performing psychedelic music under the influence of a mind-altering chemical called LSD. Yes, uh, we're very high tonight, and welcome to the premiere of Subliminal Sounds Podcast. We're going to go way off the deep end into the uncharted realms of psychedelic music. We'll mostly be listening to uh, private presses that hasn't been reissued and uh, are generally lost, but at the same time offer up some of the most rewarding and deep and beautiful sounds ever recorded. Yeah, <laughs> groovy, groovy. We're recording right at the Waikiki Beach, Honolulu, Oahu, Hawaii, Polynesia. And the music you hear in the background, the beautiful sounds are by Eddie Suzuki. More about him and his amazingly wonderful music later. The signature tune you just heard uh, at the opening of the program, to me one of the ultimate tracks to put as an opening on a trip cassette. Yeah, you know, those mixtapes we recorded for listening to while tripping. 
you get that euphoric feeling that the acid is beginning to take hold and another awesome journey is about to commence. You're getting psychedelic. What? So that was the Eustons and the track Solar Light. The Eustons were a studio project by the Japanese composer Nasumi Aoki. Yeah, and it was released on a 45 、uh, on World Pacific Records in the U.S. in 1969.、Uh, Nasumi Aoki would go on to score music for lots of movies and televisions in Japan. And this、uh, 45 release would be timed to coincide with America's、uh, July 1969 moon landing. It has the vibe of much earlier space instruments like Telstar and Outer Limits, with the amazing lysergic arrangement. Some solar light just catapults it further out from my ears. It's a fitting finale to the genre. The weird ambient flip side, sea of tranquility, is also of interest to.
Wow. Third Eye by Michael Mathis and White Latin. One of the two best songs on the psychedelic theme of Awakening the Aina Chakra, Pineal Gland. And kiddies, don't, don't try trepanation unless you have a skilled surgeon at hand. Yeah, this uh, way obscure album uh, on um, the Hakim label is a private vanity press, and it, it was released as late as 1977, but the song stems definitely from way back in the late 1960s, early 70s. The backstory to all this song is somewhat told in the slightly bizarre liner notes on the back, and I'll quote. The singing career of Michael Mattis began at the tender age of 12. He and his brother Mark learned songs their dad wrote and did all his demos for him. One of the demos so impressed the record producer that he decided to record a voice. The record was never re released, but it led to another try with Michael as a solo when it, would, it, it was discovered at the rehearsal that Mark's voice was only changing and he couldn't hit the notes right. Michael's first release from 1962 was a uh, record of the week in several cities, but just as he was all set to tour after a Las Vegas experience, alas, he too suddenly had a voice change. This stopped everything as far as recording was concerned and due to many unusual developments in the world and his life. When he resumed his career, he discovered, as do many artists, that the road to stardom is laden with many bumps and detours. It took a while, but finally an album was completely and this is the first release post-adolescence. So, <laughs> yes, puberty voice changes can be a tough thing. But who was Michael and Mark's dad, whose songs they made demo recordings of? He was actually the LA scene maker Bud Mathis, a musician, producer, and manager guy along the lines of Kim Fowley. And uh, he also managed and played, performed with uh, a joint effort uh, the band of which morphed into clear light. And Joint Effort actually released in 45 in 1967 with the song Third Eye, but um, an earlier version of this. And uh, yeah, the Third Eye song you just heard just does it for me. It's, it's an amazing, amazing psychedelic track.
such a long, long way, what a thrill to touch my feet to the sand. See by Al Manfredi. So happy to present that song from still almost unknown 1973 California private custom press West Coast rock masterpiece. It came out on on the Bandom Vocal Custom label. We also released a Brigade Last Laugh. Only a few copies of this mind blower were ever pressed, hundred or less. Way back when and giving out to record companies in an effort to secure a deal that unfortunately never happened. Al Mumfordy had his musical background in the California garage band Lost and Found. We moved to Arizona. There they played with Alice Cooper's early group of the Spiders, among other bands, and also kind of a rare garage 45. When they returned to San Clement in early 1967, their music had taken a more psychedelic direction. The Lost and Found were riding high that year until tragedy struck. One band member was found hanged under suspicious circumstances. He was only 17 years old. The death of Manfredi's uh, closest friend and songwriting partner shook Manfredi to his core. The group immediately disbanded and Al moved to New York to get his head together. He returned to California in 1968 and put together a new band, but just as they began to make progress, one band member died of cancer at the age of 19. Heartbroken, uh, Manfredi gave up on the band, sing completely and moved to Garden Groove to teach at his family's music store. But alone behind closed doors, Al kept writing songs and working on his music, recording hours of tapes, often tracking all the instruments himself. In 1973, he chose six of his best songs, some of them written back in the Lost and Found days, and this became this amazing album. I've been trying to track Al Manfredi for ages, but it was just a few years ago that I found a clue and it turned out the legendary hip-hop producer Exile is actually his son. I asked my friend Ethan Egon Alifat to contact him about it and that really worked well. 
Eagles label now and again out of LA will release a reissue of the Demon album with bonus tracks sometime next year.
Oh, wow. Yeah. Viewed in air, Hanalei, by Eddie Suzuki. Eddie spanned the new Hawaiians, where Eddie sang and played the amazing swirling Hammond organ. On this haunting psychedelic song in F minor, you'll get the visions of the stunningly beautiful Crescent Bay of Hanalei on Kauai, Hawaii which was the backdrop for famous exotic movies like South Pacific. You already heard High Tide by Mr. Suzuki earlier in this program. Both tracks are from his truly deep and beautiful private press album, New Hawaii, on the ESP Hawaii label. Eddie was one of the so-called new wave of Hawaiian composers and during the 1960s that left the, the old Hapaioli style for expressing the inimitable charm of Hawaii in a more contemporary style. Eddie Suzuki had been playing piano since he was 12 years old and he also worked as a manager for other Hawaiian artists such as the legendary composer Kui Lee. The great news here is that due to my recommendations of this uh, almost unknown album to a record collecting friend and artist tracker. This all led to the, him finding Mr. Suzuki's son and a much needed reissue of this rare album coming out next year. Oh, God. 
producer. And the green scene. With the song Green Scenery of his private press, 45 from 1981. Such a great song. I'm so happy to share it with you. Randy's still playing music, I suppose, but he also runs a packaging designer company. And that record, yeah, it holds three fantastic songs. You can also find some more contemporary recordings by Randy on the net.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Jensen Sisters with the fantastic song, You Lit the Fire, I Want Only You. The three musically skilled sisters who make up the band came from Canada, where their parents had immigrated from Denmark. And the sisters performed a lot around Southern California. They were Annalise, lead vocals on rhythm, guitar, and the liner notes to her album also says that on personal appearances, she also played the accordion, piano, saxophone, clarinet, and banjo. She was backed by Ellen on lead guitar, and on the cover picture you can see that she plays a double-necked uh, guitar that combines bass, bass and a guitar. The liner notes also says that her unique style and sound make her solos one of the highlights of the album. Why certainly? Ellen also plays bass, trumpet, violin, steel guitar, mandolin, bagpipe, and of course, accordion. And last but not least, Diane who sets the groove for the trio. The liner says that although she's the youngest of the girls, she plays drums like a veteran. She started playing the accordion when she was four years old. Yes. Uh, Diane also sings and plays congas, steel drum, marimba, ukulele, harmonica and guitar. Way to go, Jensen sisters. We also learned that the Jensen sisters' repertoire includes pop, rock and roll, and big band era music. And on personal appearances, they also play country music and polkas. Their hobbies include camping, hiking, needlework, and swimming in their own tropical decor pool. Wow, yes. Their showcase album, Dancing in the Autumn Breeze, which is much like a vanity pressing, actually came out in 1978 on the legendary Accent label, who released some classic acid psych 45s in the 1960s. And also stuff like F.J. McMahon's Spirit of the Golden Youth, and even some late recordings by nature boy Eden Abbess. So, with that track from that album, Dancing in the Autumn Breeze, we now have a little autumn theme going, which will continue on this next song. Dies down 
Psychedelics, as they sing, from their privately released album Twice Upon a Rhyme, recorded and released in Brooklyn, 1972. They call their record label Happy Sad, inspired, I presume, by Tim Buckley. All of from the 1970s, old tracks are presented in mono, which the album liner notes goes into great detail to describe as richer and compromising a fuller range of frequencies than stereo. Back to mono. The album has actually been reissued both in the UK, Japan and Korea which I didn't know until just recently, so I usually only feature music that hasn't been reissued on this show, but this was an exception. Such a great song, and such a great album. Paul is more famous today as a writer and a professor of communications and media studies, and one of the top 10 high flyers of Twitter.
Private Press on Hyder Records. And uh, it was recorded at the KA Recording Studio at 410 Elm Avenue, Southwestern Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, that's about all we know. I found this 45 in New York a long time ago. And I never ever heard about another copy and doesn't show a blip on the internet. It's nowhere to be found. So, the, the, the one and only known copy of that record. Good one. All right, let's get on with the show. You don't have time to give to life. You don't 
time by the constant sound on the extremely rare and pretty much undiscovered 1967 US demo only 12 track mono LP of Lost West Coast Sunshine Pop Psych the constant sound and uh, very few known copies of the original pressing there's a glowing review by my my dear late colleague and, and friend Patrick Lumbori in the Acid Archives. And that's pretty much the only point of reference for psych collectors worldwide. Comes with a unique uh, pasted sleeve with gold and boast lettering. And the history of this record is mysterious to say the least but it's providence, is sound. The songs are panned by George Weil and production courtesy of the Elliot Ferguson Incorporated, AKA Jack Elliot and Alan Ferguson. This was obviously a record at the time with the ambitions for release, not just a demo. Musically, the constant sound is tightly arranged and consistently excellent with perfectly tuned male-female vocal harmonies. It is classic-sounding Californian sunshine pop, how the mamas and the papas, loving spoonful, the seekers and the fifth dimension with top-flight orchestrations. Alan Ferguson went on to pen the Charlie's Angels and the Starsky and Hutch themes, no less. What more psych-collectors should know, the, the reverb and delayed ranch dancing patterns and a really funny reference to San Francisco hotspots in Avalon and chemicals on the Calico bus. The whole album is really true. <laughs> Thank you. 
Refuge refers to uh, the, the sacred site in, on the big island of Hawaii, uh, ancient Tiki Temple in uh, Unoawana Bay. Yeah, wonderful snorkeling site too, and Tiki sighting galore. Yeah, so as I told you before, the fantastic, wonderful, amazingly great news is that this album by Eddie Suzuki and the New Hawaiians is going to be reissued next year. Yeah, so great. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the first release on, on a new label out of Denmark. So watch out for that one. You need that album. Wowie. All right. So we're going to wrap up the first show for the Subliminal Sounds podcast now. It's been a great trip. Yeah. I hope you had a good one too. So wrapping things up now. We're going to go off the deep end. As I said in the beginning of the show and uh yeah couldn't be done better than with the record we're gonna listen to now it's another completely unknown one you know doesn't show up and very few heard it i guess i only know this copy i have right here so it's on Eros Records and uh, it was recorded at the Sound Market Studio in Chicago back in 1973 or yeah that's when it was released and the artist is Carrie yeah Carrie alright folks so have a good one and uh, stay high I'm sure I will and uh, my name is Stefan Kieri, and it's been a pleasure hanging out with you all. And uh, so we're closing off the show now, going way, 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 way out into psychedelic space with this totally unknown, 
Psychedelic Monster 45 called Stargazer. Why we are here 